FinTech Hunting is hosted by Michael Hammett, JD, CMT, keynote speaker, author, and founder and president of Next Level Advisors. Join Michael as he seeks out tech visionaries, leading lenders, trailblazing executives, and other financial influencers to bring you actionable insights and lead generation tactics, all centered around industry greatness and success. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of FinTech Hunting. Couldn't be more excited to be coming live from Dallas. Uh, we're here at the next conference, and what we have right on store on tap right now is a FinTech Roundtable. So we have a couple of FinTech providers, and we're going to have them kind of go around the room, introduce themselves, their title, their company, and then we will just get rolling with the conversation. So who would like to start? Hi, I'm Sarah Nakai, and I'm with First Close. I'm the Director of Marketing and Enterprise Sales. Hi, I'm Anu, Anu Walia. I'm with SnapDocs. I'm Director of Engineering. Hi, I'm David Parrish. I'm also with SnapDocs. I'm an Account Executive. Hey, y'all. I'm Tracy Laney. I'm with Agent Find, and I am the Vice President of Strategic Relationships. Excellent. Well, what a powerhouse group we have right there. So I'll start asking questions in a second. But since we're here at Next, it's a wonderful conference, Mortgage and Women Tech, uh, Women in Mortgage Technology. What are some of the key takeaways? You guys have been in some of the sessions. Some of you guys have already been presenting your sessions, or you will be. Any key takeaways from Next so far that you'd like to share with our audience? This is my second Next, um, and it really, to me, is a whole different feeling for any type of conference. Even the way the demos are done, it's much more conversational. It's not necessarily the you know pontificating from the front of the room. Room. Then we have time to interact with the people who are presenting, as well as what's been really exciting is it's one of the few conferences where decision makers and the C-suite are in the room sitting at the tables with us. Um, a whole different attitude and atmosphere at Next. Absolutely. Guys, want to share anything? Yeah, I'd have to agree. This is actually my first Next conference, and um, I just love how welcoming everyone is and how nice everyone is and approachable, and everyone's here just to learn from everyone else, and it's been a really great experience so far. Fantastic. Would you guys like to share anything? I think the biggest thing that I've learned so far is uh, just uh, how uh, frustrated people are with technology and where it's failing, which is always a good sign, which we have seen in other industries, that that, that precedes the revolution. So I think we are right there, and uh, we are right there to revolutionize uh, the mortgage and fintech industry now. All right. Well, and I think as we talk about, you know, this is kind of the unconference because they really do things differently. For one, they bring in a lot of great lenders. So it's not, I mean, all of us have been to a conference and it's been a vendor fest. You know, 10 to one vendors and one lender and that one lender knows to hide and duck and, and go behind the post and try to avoid everybody. Whereas here, what you're getting is a lot of genuine conversations. You get a lot more sharing of ideas. So I'm glad you guys are here. It, it is a wonderful event. So let's talk tech. We're in a tech round table. What are some of the biggest pain points that you guys are seeing in the industry as it relates to technology or pain points that lenders are experiencing that maybe technology can solve? Anyone want to start with that? I can start. So I think the, the biggest one that uh, we are seeing is the fragmentation in the industry itself. And it's the pain point that comes from that. So like settlement, working with lenders, each settlement might have their own process. Lenders have to, they, they have to either adopt, adapt, 
or modify their existing process, which leads to more inefficiencies and errors. And so it's uh, it's it's just that, like it's like fragmented, and uh, it's quite uh, that that's where the changes are going to happen next. Okay, who would like to share? Next? Yeah, I see a lot of lenders are looking for a lot of that back office automation, um, and then in addition, you know, they're looking towards their current tech vendors to. Um, stay innovative and and keep updating that the software that they do have that's already fitting within their tech stack and and when those um, technology vendors are failing then they're looking elsewhere for you know companies that are still trying to be innovative and still find solutions that fit um, within the tech stack without having to disrupt all the processes that they already have in place. I think it's kind of an interesting time in general because we need the tech, we need the speed, we need the ease of being able to look one place, one spot and see you know, where everything's at status-wise. At the end of the day, and it's been mentioned here a couple times, this is the first conference I've heard it on a continual message, at the end of the day we have people making a complex transaction and there still has to be a person involved, but how do we make that count? Julie Lane was perfect. If you've got to have it talk, make it you know, important. And th this balance is a real struggle that I think we're really seeing. Um, Kim Hoffman put it perfectly, actually, at a conference last fall. She said, Tracy, at the end of the day, these people still want keys. That's all they care about. Right. So it's, we're, we're looking at something trying to ease both parts, and I think we're finding where it's going to connect right now is kind of directionally where we go. One thing I'd add is, um, you know, I think a lot of the, I think a lot of the lenders here see the value in these technologies and automation, um, but what they're seeing is that the cost per transaction the cost of the is doubling, uh, you know, just increasing exponentially. And so they're trying to balance um, you know, implementing these sophisticated new technologies that are going to help them, but also keep their costs down enough so that they can right. get that, that market. Well, you look at any of the MBA studies and the cost to originate continues to rise. So whatever study you look at, is it 7500 is it 8000 is it 8500 bucks? I mean, there comes to a point where diminishing returns, you know, and that's the frustrating thing where technology can solve some of these pain points and eliminate a lot of the friction, but they struggle with what should I implement? Is it the shiny object? Is it something that's going to truly improve a process? One of the questions I ask lenders on this podcast all the time is how do they vet technology providers? So I'll share with you guys and then I want to kind of get your insights on how you respond, but the biggest pain point that they talked about or one of the main things they look at for vetting is, is that going to fit into my tech stack? Because so many people will run around, you know, and us tech vendors, we're notorious for this. We have an API. We have an API. We have an API. Well, that's great. Everyone has an API. And if you only have two fields in that API, that really doesn't help. What So how do you guys approach addressing that topic, fitting into the current tech stack? Because you could have the greatest solution, and if it doesn't fit into their environment, you really have a tough time getting them to finally pull the trigger. So how would you guys respond, or what would you guys show the lender to demonstrate, here's how we would fit into your tech stack? I think from the, from the tech stack point is really being upfront with what you have and not glossing over what you're not. Um, I, it's sitting at all the conventions, especially last fall, if I heard AI one more time, I was going to choke. 
I mean, you're not AI if you're not AI. And then they would preface at some of the, the discussions, and then they would go into their product, and you completely lost the audience because you're like, but that's an API. That's not an API. So I think that people are almost getting ahead of themselves instead of being proud of the technology and the position it is. You know, be who you are. Right. Right. Because I think the authenticity, because I think we're seeing a little erosion of trust and how much time do I want to spend. If you're pitching one thing, I hate the word pitch, but let's work in a techie discussion. Right. But then you come and your deliverable is not the same. I think it's hurting the credibility. Of and tech. nobody wins in that environment no. to say you have a client and they can't get up and running. They're miserable. They're unhappy with your solution. Everybody loses in that environment. You guys want to share anything else as it relates to fitting into the tech stack or how you guys present that to a lender? Our, our approach has just been to be as flexible as possible. So, um, you know, we actually don't today integrate via API. We're actually relying on artificial intelligence to process As long as it's real. <laughs> it is real. But the benefit of that is you know, the customer can use any doc prep system, any LLS system. And so it gives them the freedom to choose their different tech stack. And they can choose what is the best options for them versus, all right, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have to work with us for doc prep, LOS, uh, eclose, etc. Okay, so, so your approach would be more give them flexibility so they can pick their best of breed vendors best of and everything exactly. like that. Okay. Yeah, I think um, so. To adding on to what David said, uh, we integrate directly into their workflow, so it is LOS agnostic. Because uh, yes, we don't have an ABI, but ABIs are based on interfaces. We do have an interface that we have figured out based on looking at other LOS providers. So that interface, it's like, if, as long as they are adhering to that, which most of them are, then it's easy to get integrated into Snapdogs. So that's like our in point. And on the out point, we have started to integrate deeply with other LOS providers with their APIs, so we are the ones integrating with their APIs to allow for that seamless experience for lenders. So yeah, it's like, as you were saying, yes, that's a really big pain point. Nobody wants yet another tool, yet another process. So we fit right into the workflow and try to just provide the efficiencies and automate the things that we see can be automated. Using a little bit of AI, more machine learning, but not, uh, yeah, but like, only in the areas where we see optimizations uh, are in play okay. rather than coming up with new workflows. I think with First Close, you know, we are a cloud-based system and we are also vendor agnostic. So, you know, we want to be seen as partners with all of our clients where we can really dive into their processes and see how we can help them. And if there's ever a vendor that they they want to use that they love that we don't currently have, you know, what we do with our platform is always customer driven. So we will bring that vendor in, integrate them into our systems. And we are integrated into another a number of LOS systems. But aside from that, our platform is powerful enough to be a standalone system. So it can do everything it needs to do right in its own platform and then uploading its socks in the end. So it can be integrated, but it doesn't need to be the way that the system is set up. Let me ask you a totally different question as we relate to selling and selling FinTech. What do you guys see as social media's role in selling uh, to 
two financial institutions, two banks, credit unions, mortgage companies. Does social media have a role? Doesn't it have a role? And how would you guys define that? It's a relatively small community, and uh, you know a lot of them are waiting to see someone else try that first. And, you know they don't want to be; they've been burned in the past by being the first mover. And so I think, for example, as a seller and partnering with our marketing team, having the marketing team be able to have a presence on social media, get that message out there about your happy customers. Then the other non-customers see that, and that really helps them. They're sort of, you know, have more credibility in your products. I think it's super important to have a social presence and okay. your lender customers talking about you. I think aside from the promotional side of social media, it's really important, especially for our company, to get out case studies, white papers, and other thought leadership pieces, because I feel like it lets the community know that we're thinking ahead, we're constantly innovating and that you know we hear and we see what our customers pain points are and we're consistently trying to work through those and develop new technologies and solutions so by not only getting that information out but coupling that with client testimonials those type of pieces within the social realm are most impactful from the social media point, for our clients are basically everybody here. We're dealing with lenders, and I think by having visibility, you know, in the media, it's giving you credibility. It's helping with your branding because what I'm seeing more and more, having moved back into the B2B side just about eight months ago from lending that I've been in for 30 years, it, it helps with collaboration, and I'm seeing more and more inner referrals. It gives that credibility. People have a better idea of what the others are doing by what they're posting out there. So I think it's very crucial. Well, and, and one of the things that I've seen in, in having these discussions with a lot of people on the podcast and growing the social media networks, it's another way to build relationships and build rapport, right? Because we all know no one buys from people they don't trust. They, they don't buy from people that they don't feel that they know. Social media can be a great tool, and it is a tool in the whole tool belt. It is not just do all social or just... But I can't tell you how many people I've met on LinkedIn. I think, Tracy, we've met through LinkedIn. And then now you have a personal relationship with the people and the discussion. It's happened numerous times here where people will walk up to you and kind of learn now with a phrase that, you know, soon they're like, Michael Hammond. I'm like, LinkedIn, you know, and that's kind of my go-to now that I'm like, if I don't know who this is and they ask it, I'm like, okay, LinkedIn. And they're like, yeah, we just connected last Thursday or something. But when they can see a video of you, when they can put a name to a face, when they see that you're at different events or that you're partnering with different people that they're interested in partnering, it's very, very powerful. So I think it's interesting kind of getting your guys' perspective because not all the executives see that. And trying to get your executive team to get on social, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, well, we're not going to share our secrets. I'm not asking you to give, you know, your source code away or anything like that. But if you can share who you are, what's going on? Chelsea Pites does a great job. She's on Instagram. I follow her quite a bit. She just came out with a great book called What to Post. And she, you know, she heads up Fidelity's social. So this isn't some, oh, some renegade new tech provider doing it. It's, it's one of the largest fintechs in our entire industry. But 
she'll share a ton of stuff and people say, well, why did you ever share anything personal? What does that have to do with financial services? And she's like, people feel like they know me so that when I do share something about financial services, when I do offer a book that has all of these insights, there's much more engagement because people feel that they know that person. What are some of the trends you guys see this year as it relates to tech? Right, we've talked about some of the pain points, but what are some of the trends? You know, a couple of years ago, it was all point of sale. You know, then a year and a half ago, maybe it was all about data. Now I think people are getting Boston sick of automation? hearing about data. Automation. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, do you feel that that's? Do you feel that the bots are real? Do you feel AI is fully there? I know you guys said you guys do some AI. So, what are the tech things that people are talking about? More importantly, what's the impact it's having on the lender? I'm, I'm not looking theory. What are we going to have in five years? Yeah. But I think it's automation and digital closing. Um, so what part of automation, right? I mean, back office automation, um, streamlining every process from beginning to the end, and then you know that digital closing, um, you know, as little, little heavy lifting, and for borrowers have to really have to go into a branch if everything can be done you know, digitally online. I think, I think digitizing that whole process is going to be you know what's important this year. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so you were talking in the beginning about the cost associated with closing and how that's increasing, right? And I think that's exactly where automation can help because automation, uh, you start automating things that you humans can do well, but they're also repetitive and error prone. So when you start optimizing those pieces, that's where also AI and these bots are very good at. They're not good at other things. They cannot do the collaboration. They cannot do the communication. They cannot be empathetic. But they can be really good at making sure the documents are correct, making sure information that's entered is checked, like the so quality control and all of those things. And I think that's going to be the biggest step forward, which will help us in digitizing the closing process, because you sh we will be able to automate the pieces that can be automated and which machines are better than humans at doing. Okay. I was going to add, uh, just, just to your point, um, one thing I've noticed this year is there's a shift in the mindset of lenders that are trying to adopt digital business, whereas before the trend was all or nothing. So go from a full paper close to the remote online organization, which is sort of the holy grail. Um, I think a lot of lenders have, have realized that that's probably five years down the road. And what they can do today is a hybrid sign, which they can do in all 50 states and sell to all of their investors. And I think finally, you know, latter half of last year and this year, I'm seeing more and more lenders on board with that approach, and then they want to, by the end of this year or early next, start to do more e-notes. Okay, interesting. I have a bifurcated answer um, because I think from the technology piece, um, even you know, not talking specific vendors, the last demo we just saw, Susie saying, "Hey, does it highlight this change in fees?" You know, light bulb moment, or some of the other underwriting where it's coming in to make it um, look the same, but you know, here's what your tax returns show or bank statement. Here's a difference. To your point, that automation where there's not human eyes on it, that just moves everything quicker and makes it seamless. I think going to the Holy Grail, though, we're kind of the first generation. We still have to get our borrowers comfortable with it. 
You know, and people try to say, oh, this is a baby boomer issue, or boomers, my daughters say, or, you know, the millennial. And we need to, like, stop and just kind of figure out, but how do we get to those borrowers? Yeah, to your point, five years is going to be no big deal. But they're still, I'm giving my bank statements to something and now pushing for, you know, everything else with the W-2s and tax returns. That, you know, you have people hyperventilating a little. So I think we have to educate and figure out whether it is social media campaigns or the lenders sending out to their continual touches for right. for life. How do we make them comfortable as we steamroll this way, which is going to make it all better? We got to get over that hump. Well, and I always joke, and even though I've been on the vendor side my entire career and everything else, you could take somebody's presentation from 10 years ago about an e mortgage and put in the word digital. And I could give the same damn presentation. You know, the mortgage industry is not on the, the cutting edge of always implementing the technology. So the balance as vendors is how much are you investing in R&D? Where is the next greatest thing? And more importantly, what are people going to buy? What are people willing to implement? Or it doesn't matter. You can have the coolest ideas in the world and nothing happens. So when we talk about taking a gradual step and we've got to educate what do you guys think of the Amazon effect? Is it real? Is it not real? What's it impact going to have on mortgage technology? I think you say Amazon and Google and everyone in our space kind of goes, Ooh, because it's out there. We know it's out there. We don't know what their development is behind the scenes. We don't know the appetite, but it's kind of like that big shark swimming in the water. They're out there. <laughs> are we bait or are we going to like be in there with them? And to the same token, there's going to be a space that needs to be defined. If we get one of these guys in the big space, you know, they're going to be people who fight it too, just because people still want to work with the community bank instead of with a large, you know, national institutional non I'm going to come back to that point in a second. But I, I definitely think it's a collective. Wow. Guys? So I've worked at Microsoft and Adobe's of the world, right? So I've most of my career was with these big tech giants. And I do see that there is a space and place for them where they can help, they can automate. Um, mortgage, I think, and especially, uh, you know, home ownership is such a personal thing that I don't think that a big tech giant can have like an Amazon-like effect of like everything will be online, maybe in 20 years, you know, maybe in 20 years where it will be like such a liquid asset that you'll be like, house is just like, you know, uh, I go to Venmo and I'm be like, you know what, I need some cash, go for it, I'm, you need it, you know, I saw that Prada bag, I don't know, like whatever is that is, that uh, is probably at least 20 years uh, away. Right yeah. now, we need the personal touch. We do need somebody who can walk us through that process, tell us like, yes, this is this is like entry into adulthood, right? Like owning a house, it's a big deal. And we do need that for people in the middle of project. Yeah, I would agree. You know, consumers are craving that digital experience, that automation, that I want it now. But at the end of the day, when it comes to mortgage and lending, they still want to make sure that there is a person there to help them if they have questions or um, you know kind of handhold them through the process so I, I think you know while that may be you know a little far in the future you know right now there's still like a happy medium between technology and handholding 
Um, so I don't think it's quite here yet. <laughs> Unless Amazon can come deliver the house to us. Right. Yeah, that would be so cool. I'll say that you're, the, the difference that I'm seeing is that there's more borrower demand for that digital experience. So um, although I think it's going to take take longer, I think that the lenders are reacting to hearing the borrower say, you know, hearing their frustration. It's like they were just able to order all their groceries online and have it delivered in two hours. Now I've got this closing package that's taking me two hours to sign by hand. And right. And you didn't send it to me before. I didn't have a chance to review it. I don't really know what I'm looking at. I, where I see the Amazon effect being real is the fact that it's changing borrower expectation, right? It, it's conditioning the population to, well, I could go drive to Barnes & Noble, but you know what? I just ordered the book now and it will be at home when I get there tomorrow and I didn't have to go anywhere. I didn't have to spend any gas, I didn't have to spend any of my time, and it's there. So I think that's the part that's real, is it's really shifting the demand for the borrower and the expectation, which is good because that's usually what pushes the lenders then to really make all of the changes and everything like that. What I think is going to be very interesting, and I'd like to see you guys kind of weigh on this as we're kind of winding down soon, but where we automate more, the bots, you know, AI, and it's doing a lot of the repetitive manual tasks. What's your feeling on then the demand for higher quality people at the lender and their impact on the actual process because I don't think the day of just purely digital where I don't speak to anyone, I don't want to interact with anyone, and I just went online and I have my home is here. That, I, don't, I don't think that's the... So where do you guys see that these bots and these AI and the technology, but then the people, the quality of the workflow, workforce, any opinions on that front? So I can, well, I can speak to the, sort of the LO demographic, and you've got, you know, you've got these newer LOs to the industry that are full-on embracing this technology, um, and the technology is really helping them because they don't typically have that book of business. But what you're seeing is that the older sort of LOs, more experienced LOs, they don't need to sort of rely on the technology as much. And so you're kind of, you know, with a lot of a lot of these financial institutions that are trying to roll out, you know, POS systems like, um, yeah, I'm not going to say any names, but. <laughs> But you know they've seen they've seen adoption with you know the the, the new the new generation that have really struggled with kind of getting getting those seasoned LOs on board with with um, you know with, with using their technology. Okay. So my take is this, like this is why I think uh, lenders should be adopting digital soonish. So the re, uh, so the longer the gap is between people who have adopted the technology and those who are still warming up to it, it's just going to widen the gap. So those people who are the first like uh, you know first responders in a way they are on it, they uh, they are adopting the technologies, they are helping it adapt to their workflows, they are the ones who are going to make these decisions because tooling will be built based on their opinions. So if only, so my take is just that, that uh, yeah, like it's going to change the people and how uh, lenders work and operate. Uh, and it's only going to widen the gap if they don't start adopting the technology now. Okay, interesting. Sure, Tracy, anything you guys want to add to well, that? I work, I mean, Agent Find's a non-tangible service, basically. So we're coming, we pick up the ball uh, by pairing agents um, with borrowers coming primarily from uh, consumer direct call centers. And so we have people coming from all 
the technology, which if you look at the volume for our clients who does more, they're much more advanced to everyone's point. Then they come to us, but then what we see in the purchase environment only, that's all that we deal with, when we get them paired personally with an agent, take that extra face, to, not face to face, but hand off, right. arm, touching basis, their conversion and retention rates go through the roof, whereas if they people who are coming on, lenders that are coming on, strictly relying on the technology pieces to keep the three to four month turn time, the cycle. So we kind of fit in the middle, and there's a need. So it's, I have okay. a little bit different perspective on it. No, I, and I think that's all part of this. We're going to all bring some different perspective to it. I mean, from my perspective, especially where you look at, you guys talked about it, you know, cutting a lot of the steps out of the back end process. You know, if we're doing that and we're taking care of a lot of those manual tasks, then I think what you're going to do is you're going to need higher skilled people because it now becomes more exception based, right? The, the easy loan, the easy transaction, the easy credit pool, the easy thing like that, we're going to have the machines that can do that, can automate that, but then you're going to have to have a skilled person who can actually review the file that's the exception based. And then I think the second part of that is that's why I asked the question about social media. Because I think with all of the digital talk and everything like that, where we're gonna, where lenders are gonna differentiate themselves, where the industry is gonna differentiate themselves, especially from the Amazon effect or the Zillow effect, is that personal attention, that interaction, that who owns the relationship is eventually gonna win. Because the technology can do all kinds of great stuff, but if you don't own that relationship, that's still the biggest purchase of anyone's life. It, it's. It's still, they still want to look someone in the eyes, whether it's on that closing table or 20 other steps before that. So I think, you know, as we talk technology, there's going to be a lot of vantage points. The thing that makes it very exciting is there's not going to be just one clear path. I mean, been in this, what, 24 years now or something like that in, in the mortgage tech space. And, you know, every couple of years, oh, this is going to totally change everything. And, you know, for the most part, people are still doing loans the way they've done loans for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. You know, um, I, had, I was at a panel at MBA last year, and we had one of the panelists talk about how manufacturing a car is cheaper than manufacturing a loan. And why haven't we been able to automate those steps? So as we wrap up this session, and we've gone a little longer, but you guys have had great insight, and it's been a, a treat to talk to you. Why don't we just kind of go around the, the table, and you guys just say a quick little burb. You can kind of give your elevator pitch to what your company does. And then what I also want to make sure you do is give them a way that any of our listeners want to reach out and get a hold of you. Make sure that they know how to get a hold of you. So I'll, go I'll first. let you start. That's Tracy Laney from Agent Fine. We are purchase, lead, retention, and conversion specialists. What we do is we walk alongside our lenders, primarily in that direct to consumer model. So if the borrower comes in, which we do know, about 50 to 60% of borrowers come in to get pre approved without realtor representation. They push that over to us. We start with a very warm, welcoming call, pair them with one of our highly vetted agents. We have about 20,000 nationwide. They are vetted, they cannot buy into our system. We do not work with the brokerage, but we see our conversion rates on those leads at about 25%, which is astronomical in the lead world. 
and even better, our actual retention to the original loan officer, this is call center, never going to be eye to eye, our retention rate between 80 and 90 percent stay with their original loan officer out of that 25 percent conversion. And Tracy, how can people get a hold of you if they want to find out more? You can hit me at Tracy at agentfine.com or I always give my cell because I'm always on the road, 770-403-2852 and you can text or call on that. I actually do answer my phone. It's kind right. of odd, but I do. <laughs> uh, so David Parrish from, uh, from SnapDocs. So we are the industry's leading digital closing platform. Uh, we help lenders create a single scalable process for 100% of their closings, whether it's wet, hybrid, or full e-close. Um, so we're giving lenders and settlement partners the ability to fix inefficiencies in their process. Um, and we do that through uh, automation and patented AI. Um, so helping lenders close more loans faster at lower costs while delivering a great borrower experience. Um, you can reach me at 408-313-7471. And uh, go ahead and check out our website at snapdocs.com. Excellent. Sarah? Yeah. Sarah Nakai with First Close. Uh, First Close is a technology company where we offer a SaaS solution that is also um, web-based and integrated into LOS systems that streamlines and automates um, settlement services for home equity and HELOC lending. Um, if you want to learn more about us, then we can be reached at info at firstclose.com. That does go to me or uh, <laughs> www.firstclose.com. Excellent, guys. You've shared great insights. We'd love to have all of you on a future show again. But uh, thank you once again and enjoy the rest of the next conference. Thank you. Fintech Hunting is brought to you by Next Level Advisors. Next Level Advisors, where businesses come to grow.